Okay, so we're not really going to go through our core portion this week because we, um, we're going to read through the book of Esther because Purim starts tonight, it's tomorrow. And um, I found this little bit right here and stuff I already knew, but I thought it was good. So today is Shabbat Zahor, um, which means Shabbat, Shabbat of Remembrance. It's the second of four special Shabbats. It's the Shabbat immediately uh, before Purim. The name derives from the additional Torah parsha added to the readings, Deuteronomy 25, 17-19, which commands that Israel remember what Amalek did to them when they came out of Egypt. Since Haman was a direct descendant of Agag, the king of the Amalekites, the commandment is fulfilled in the celebration of Purim, in which the name of Haman is drowned out, drowned out during the reading of the Megillah, the book of Esther. So, uh, it's interesting to me, you know, Haman was their ancient, you know, ancient en enemy uh, from the uh, Amalekites. And I don't think that that was lost on um, Mordecai. So, as we read, we read through this, um, it's actually something that never really occurred to me. Uh, until just this year, reading through the book of Esther, you know, why, why would Haman, why did Haman not bow down? I'm sorry, why did Mordecai not bow down to Haman? And you used to be, I used to think that uh, it was just because, you know, well, you didn't bow down before men, you know, was kind of the explanation I'd always heard at the top. But I don't think so. I think there's more to it because you would bow before kings. It was not uncommon in that culture of the day to bow before people. It was very... It was very normal. So to so it would have been very abnormal for him not to bow down. There would have had to have been some other specific additional reason why. And I think that's revealed from the text as we go through, uh, specifically because I think Mordecai knew Haman was an Amalekite, and he wasn't about to bow before an Amalekite. All right, so why don't we turn to the book of Esther, and we're going to read through and comment. There's so many cool things in this book. Things that I think are very pertinent to today. Um, and uh, so just follow along and uh, see where we get. Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this day, for Shabbat, before Purim. I thank you uh, that you always know where your people are and what's going on in their, their lives and their situations. And you are always there with them and with us. And I thank you for that, God. So as we read this book of Esther... Um, we just thank you for this story and for people who chose to stand up for you, God, in the situation they were, even though it may very well have cost them their life. And so I just thank you uh, for all these things. In uh, Shua's name, amen. Pray, amen. Um, excuse me, Dad. Each time, can we do like, like Boo and Haman's name instead? Sure, you may boo. <laughs> when they say, when we read Haman's name, if you would like to, yeah. The other thing I found interesting about this too, this book is, um, I think it's, I think it deserves bringing back a little more levity to it, a little more weight to the. Yes, it's a celebration that they survived and they lived, but they were facing a Holocaust, um, and I personally don't like, you know, everybody dress up like their favorite Halloween. I mean. Purim costume, <laughs> and, and to celebrate Purim, it, it trivializes it. You know, they were facing extinction and a holocaust, and God saved them uh, through his servants 
Oh, being obedient to him. And that's what should be remembered. Not dress up like, you know, Jewishized version of Halloween. You know, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't encourage that. So, but that's what we always tend to do. Is that something that, I'm not familiar with that, is that something that goes on this time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in normative yeah, in Jewish real, world. Jewish world? Yeah. yeah, in the normative Jewish world, you, and in Messianic shows, people yeah. dress up in, just, in costumes of, of whatever. You know. There's parades, too. And they do parades, and, and um, so, you know. It looks like Mardi Gras. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's, yeah, it's it, and in a lot of even Orthodox circles, they just get sloshed huh. drinking. You know, it's not, you know, so there's one Jewish guy that I follow, and he's like, uh, had something, um, a sober Purim. You know, so it's like, look at this is how far yeah. it descends. You know, yeah. it turns into a party that was was never meant to be. Instead, it should just be uh, remembered. And it and I want to clarify too. This is not a um, one of the festivals of Yahweh. This is not one of God's instructed festivals. I look at it more like uh, a civil holiday or like Fourth of July. We would look at or Thanksgiving or something like that. It's not uh, commanded by God. It's not a day that you have to take off work. Um, I think it's great to remember it, and we should, and, and mark it, but, um, you know, it's not commanded that we, um, we sell, or, you know, celebrate it, so to speak, like we normally think of. Um, it's interesting to me, like, uh, in Judaism today, a lot of times people still give gifts during uh, Hanukkah, and, uh, which is just a, uh, you know, brought in from basically Christmas, but if you wanted actually a biblical precedent of when to give gifts, it would actually be on Purim because they sent gifts to each other. So we're going to read that. So, All right, let's, keep, let's get started. All right, chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> now it came to pass in the days of Asherus, this is Asherus, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, over 107 and 20 provinces, that in those days when King Asherus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, nobles and princes of provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days. And when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple, the silver rings of pillars of marble, beds were of gold and silver upon pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another. And the royal wine in abundance, according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law, none did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also Vashti, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to King Asherus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Bizath, Harbonan, uh, Bigtha, and Abigtha, Zethar, and Carcas, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Asherah the king, to bring Vashti, the queen, before the king, with a royal crown, to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. 
Then the king said unto wise men, which, uh, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward uh, all that knew the law and judgment. And next to him was all those guys, I don't their name, the seven princes of Persia of Media, which saw the king's face, and which sat uh, the first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto King Vashti according to the law? Because she has not performed the commandment of King Ashras by the chamberlains. And Memukan answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath, queen hath done wrong to the king only. I'm sorry, has not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and all the peoples that are in all the provinces of the king Ashras. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king Ashras commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, <coughs> which have heard of the deed of the queen, Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the queen, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the law of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before the king Ashras, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. When the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published through all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both great and small. And the same pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mamukin. For he sent letters unto all the king's provinces, unto every province, according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their own language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. So he got, basically throws a huge party, wants Vashti to come in before her and show her off. She says no, and so he gets angry, so they write, makes a law uh, that deposes her, and that way all the women won't get in an uprise in the kingdom and say, well, if we don't have to listen, she doesn't have to listen to the king, then we don't have to listen to our husbands. <laughs> so that's, that's basically what's happening right Sounds there. like what's going on now. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, chapter two. After these things, when the wrath of King Ashras was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what he had done, and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the province of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins, virgins unto Shushan, the palace, to the house of the women, under the custody of Heg, Heg, however say his name, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king. And he did so. Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Yair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which, which had been carried away with Jehoiakim, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful. And Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his degree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together in Shushan, the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him. And she obtained kindness from him, and he speedily gave her things for purification, 
with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be, meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not showed her people, nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she show it not. <clears throat> I don't know, to me, like, it's such, it'd be such a traumatic time and situation in life. You know, her parents are dead, you know, they've been carried away captive, they're basically prisoners. You know, Mordecai's got some job in the court there, um, in the, in the capital city, um, and, and then now this kind of happens, so, but, you know, you can see God's hand working through it all, because he gives her favor, uh, favor with the keeper of the women there, um, and he puts her to a special, special place and prefers her out of everybody. All right, 11, <clears throat> and Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did, and what should become of her. Now, when every maid's turn was come into King Asherah, after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of the women. For so were the days of their purification accomplished, to wit, six months with oil and mirth, and six months with sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. Then thus came every maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women into the king's house. In the evening she went in, and on the morrow she returned unto the second house of the women, to the custody of Shashags, the king's chamberlain, which kept the, kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, that she were called by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihale, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto the king Asherah, unto his house royal, in the tenth month, which is the Mount Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast, and made a release to the provinces, and gave gifts according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did, not, did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, Two of the king's chamberlains, uh, Bigtha and Teresh, of those who kept the door, were wroth and sought to lay hand on King Asherah. And the thing was made was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. <clears throat> and when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore they were both hanged on a tree. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. I've often thought, you know, well, why did Mordecai, you know, bring that to light? But he probably was really just looking out for Esther's interest because if they killed the king, uh, you know, who knows what would Esther, what happened to Esther? She'd probably get killed or, you know, it wouldn't have gone good for her. Chapter 3. After these things did King Asherah promote Haman, Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. the son of Hamadoth the Agai. 
and advance him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. So we don't really get any more background than, than that on, on he who shall not be named. If all of a sudden he just kind of pops onto the scene. Um, but that's kind of the trend or the, what happens with Israel's enemies is pretty much wherever they are and if they're being successful, up pops the adversary, kind of wherever they are. Two, all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed in reverence to Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's command? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, that he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman, to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For he had told them he was a Jew. So, I think that's basically why Mordecai didn't bow before Haman was because Haman was an Amalekite, was one of Israel's arch enemies. Because it wouldn't have been uncommon for the king's right-hand man and dignitary to go through and everybody would have bowed unto them. And... We don't have any indication that Mordecai wasn't in the habit of bowing before even the king himself or anything like that. He would have never made it, you know, to where he was in, in his position. But, you know, so it, it made me curious to think, you know, so Haman now at this point is really willing really to risk it all, the death most likely, to not bow before, before Haman. And so, you know, there obviously was enough, because there's something in conviction in him where, you know, God said that they shall be blotted out and he wasn't about to bow down before them, whatever the consequences may be. So I find that very interesting because it was the commandment of the king that he was transgressing and not bowing to him in, in, in that situation. So he was willing to go against the commandment of the king, even though he had, you know, revealed the plot to kill the king and save him. And he even informed them. He said, I'm a Jew. So what would that matter to them? You know, because the other servant said, how come you're not bowing down before, before Haman? And he said, well, I'm a Jew. So that obviously had some meaning to it. When I think it's because, you know, he's a Jew. Haman's a Malachite. He's not going to bow before an Malachite. So, verse 5. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him uh, the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Asherah, even the people of Mordecai. So initially he was just going to kill um, Mordecai, but then he found out Mordecai's a Jew and these people are all over the place. And so then he wants to kill all of them. So this guy's a bad guy. Seven. In the first month, that is month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ashras, they cast Pur, that is the lot, that's where we get the, the name Purim, before Haman from day to day and from month to month to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And Haman said unto King Ashras, there is a certain, I think this is such a fascinating verse, because it's the same exact thing today. There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all the people. 
neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. Now, isn't that interesting? It's the same thing today, because that's pretty much who we are. Spread all over in an amount and dispersed among the provinces of the kingdom, and our laws are not the same as the king's laws. And we don't always keep the king's laws. Um, therefore it's not in the king's profit to suffer them. So, Haman hatches a plan to destroy them. Nine, if it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it unto the king's treasuries. The king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agite, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, and the people also. Do with thee as it seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province, to the rulers of every people, and every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language. And the name of King Asherah was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post unto all the king's province to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against that day. And the post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city Shushan was perplexed. Chapter 4. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. And he came before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment, and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told her. Then the queen <clears throat> was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai, and to take away his sackcloth from him. But he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatach, one of the king's chamberlains, which he had appointed to attend unto her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Atach went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened unto him, and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him a copy of the writings of the decree that was given in Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and declare it unto her, and to make her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make requests before him for her people. And Hattach came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again Esther spoke unto Hattach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province do know that whatsoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king, unto the inner court, who is not called, there is no law of it. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king should hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the, the king these thirty days. And they told the Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai com commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For thou holdest uh, altogether holdest thy peace 
at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I think that's just a great verse. So uh, Mordecai says, you know, don't think that you're going to escape just because you're in the king's house because you're going to get taken out too. And even if you don't choose to act and do something, God will act to save his people in another way. So I just think that's a beautiful statement from Mordecai of, of his faith that God would, would bring deliverance one way or another, whether it was uh, through Esther or not. But he, he said, don't think that you can you know, hide who you are and get, you know, get out of this, that you'll perish as well. Maybe God has put you here for just a time as this. 15. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai's answer. Go, gather together all uh, this answer, sorry. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. Fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So I'm going to go talk to the king. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel, and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king had out, held out the, to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be given thee to half of the kingdom. Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, and it shall be granted thee? What is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then answered Esther, and said, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please my king to grant my petition, and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do it tomorrow, as the king hath said. Then went Haman forth that day, joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up, nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. <laughs> Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh, his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches, and the multitude of his children, and all the things wherein the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him above the princes and the servants of the king. And Haman said, moreover, Yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself, and tomorrow I am invited unto her also with the king. Yet all this availeth me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then said Zeres, his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet. And this thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. <laughs> well, so the verse in Psalms, the wicked... They shall fall into their own pit which they have dug. Except he'll hang from his own gallows that he built. <laughs> On that night, 
The king, on that night, could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles. And they were read before him. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on King Ashras. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. The king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman was come <laughs> into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he prepared for him. The king's servants said to him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. The king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man that the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than myself? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king useth to wear, and the horse which the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head, and let his apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall be done to the man with whom the king delighteth to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, which sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. <laughs> then took Haman the apparel and the horse, and arrayed Mordecai, and brought him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall be done unto the man of the king delighteth in honor. <laughs> oh, that's great. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hastened to his house, mourning and having his head covered. And Haman told Zeres' wife and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men and Zeres unto him, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fail, thou shalt not prevail against him. Oh, interesting. But shall surely fall before him. <clears throat> and while they were yet taking, talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and hastened to bring Haman under the banquet that Esther had prepared. So it's all starting to unravel now. It's all starting to fail. And even his friends and his wife are like, oh, you're a dead man. <laughs> Seven. So now he's starting to sweat bullets. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said unto Esther on the second day of the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? it shall be granted thee. What is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed and to be slain and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then King Asherus answered and said unto Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he, that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary, and the enemy is this wicked Haman. <laughs> then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. The king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went in the king's garden. And Haman stood to make requests for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. 
Then the king returned out of the palace garden unto the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbanath, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also, the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the galleys that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Chapter 8. On that day did the king Asherus give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther, the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told him what was done to her. And the king took off his ring, which we had taken from Haman, gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther sent Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spake yet again before the king, fell down at his feet, and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agai and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the, I find, this is really fascinating what happens. So pay attention. Not that you're not going to, but. Then the king held out his golden scepter towards Esther, and so Esther arose and stood before the queen and said, To please the king, and if I found favor in his sight, and the things seem right before the king, and if I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of uh, Hamadath the Agai, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kingdom? Then King Asherah said unto Esther and the king, queen, Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and, have, and that him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. Then there were the king's scribes called at that time, in the third month, that is the month of Savan, on the three and twentieth day thereof. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded upon the Jews, and to the lieutenants, and to the deputies and rulers of the provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia, and 127 provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing, and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Asherah's name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries, wherein the king granted the Jews that were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people of the province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Upon one day in all provinces of King Hasharas, namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against the day to avenge themselves on their enemies." So the posts that rode upon the mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan, the palace. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, with a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city Shushan rejoiced and was glad. 
and the Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and every city, with the, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jew had, Jews had joy and gladness and a feast and a good day. And many people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. So what basically happened was, because the king had made a law, the way that their laws worked, he could, it couldn't be reversed once they had made a law. So he made another law, or Mordecai did it for him, and sent it out that said, instead of uh, the law, the law for them to be killed is that can't be undone, but they made another law that the Jews should stand up and fight and slay their enemies. And so what I love about this is that it completely reverses roles. So the, the Jews then fight for themselves and destroy their enemies in, in, uh, in captivity instead of all the wicked slaying them, all because uh, Mordecai and Esther did what was right. So, chapter 9. Luke, yes. really quick before you go on. So I just have a question for yeah. grounding historically. Um, have, with, are we past the splitting of the two tribes already? Yeah, yeah. Or are we already, are we still in one of the... No, the the northern kingdoms have been carried away captive. Right, and this is the southern kingdom. Mordecai is from Benjamin. Right, and Judah so and Benjamin. And we're, right, we're okay. taken away to Babylon. Babylon fell to the Persian right. Medes, and that's what's going on right, right. now. Right, okay. Yep. But they haven't, they haven't come back into the land. Not yet. yet. Okay. No. Oh. Yeah. No, so they're still in that seven-year captivity? Right. Okay. Right, exactly. Wow. All right, chapter 9. Now in the 12th month, that is the month of Dar, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution, and the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them, the Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the province of the king of Ashras to lay hand as such as sought their hurt. And no man could withstand them, for the fear of them fell upon all the people. And all the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies, officers of the king, helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. His, uh, for this man Mordecai watched great, waxed greater and greater. Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. And in Shushan, the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. And uh, Parshanadatha, Dalphon, and Asphatha, and Portha, and Dalalia, and Aradadath, and Paramashatha, and Ariasai, and Aradai, in Vayazatha, and ten sons of Haman, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they, but on the spoil laid they not their hand. On that day, the number of those that were slain in Shushan, the palace, were brought before the king. When the king said unto Esther the queen, The Jews have slain and destroyed five hundred men in Shushan, the palace, and the ten sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is thy petition? It shall be granted thee. And what is thy request further? And it shall be done. Then said Esther, If it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews that are in Shushan to do tomorrow and also according unto the day's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king's commandment and the king commanded it to be done so. And the decree went 
and the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten Ooh. sons. For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the 14th also of the month of Adar, and slew 300 men at Shushan. But on the prey they laid not their hand. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives, and had rest from their enemies, and slew of their foes seventy and five thousand. But they laid not their hands on the prey. On the thirteenth month of the month of Adar, and on the fourteenth day of the same rested day, and made a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews that were in Shushan assembled together on the thirteenth day thereof, and on the fourteenth day thereof, and on the fifteenth day of the same, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns made the fourteenth day of the month of the Dar a day of gladness and feasting, and a good day, and of sending portions one to another. And Mordecai wrote these things, and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Asherah, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the fourteenth day of the month of Dar, and the fifteenth day of the same yearly. As the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy, and sending portions one to another, and gifts to the poor. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun, and as Mordecai had written unto them. Because Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agite, the enemies of the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast pur, that is, the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and he and his sons would be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore they call these days Purim, after the name of Pur. Therefore all the words of this letter, and of that which they had been See, had seen concerning the matter and which had come unto them the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all as such as joined themselves unto him so as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation every family and every province every city that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews nor the memorial of them, uh, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihal, and Mordecai the Jew wrote with all authority to confirm the second letter of Purim, and he sent the letters unto all the Jews to the hundred and twenty-seven provinces of the kingdom of Asherah with words of peace and truth, to confirm these days of Purim in their times appointed, according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them. And as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of the fastings and their cry. And the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. And the king Asherah laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea, and all the acts of his power and his might, and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was next unto the king Asherah, and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. Amen. Amen. Such a great book. Just an awesome story. And, uh, you know, amazing how 
God works, through, you know, in and through even the mess of the situation, basically, that they were in. You know, they were there because of their sins of their fathers. They were sent into captivity. and uh, But even there, like we talked about last week, you know, God was a small set-apart set place for them. Wherever they were, wherever God's people were scattered. And um, so God turned a, a attempted, you know, destruction of his people into destruction of those that hated them. And so when the people rose up together and worked together to serve and obey God, great things happened. You know, instead of uh, living in fear and cowering and, you know, kowtowing to their, to their enemies, they, they decided, no, we're going to stand up and we're going to do what's right. We're not going to bow to the Amalekite anymore. And I think the same days are upon us now. You know, we need Israel as a nation should, and we as God's children as Israel need to stand up for God and not bow down to uh, the enemies of Israel anymore. You know, we need to stand for what we believe in. You know, so that Mordecai didn't hide his grief when the decree went out. He dressed in sackcloth and ashes and went right back to his post, basically. It'd be like you, Fred, going to work in sackcloth and ashes, you know, if something bad like that ever happened. So I think we can learn a lot from it. And uh, so, all right, we'll pray. And then we'll do Kish. Heavenly Father God, we just thank you for the story of Esther and Mordecai and how you uh, saved your people. And um, I think uh, there's a lot we can learn from that. And I just pray that we would take it to heart and, and live lives of service for you, God, and obedience for you. Uh, and do what's right, even in the midst of the diaspora of which we live just like they live somehow they navigated through all the same trials that we have to deal with and and still lived and served you uh, as best they could god so may we do the same and have hearts to do the same and i just thank you for this shabbat and for this festival of Purim, and uh thank you for all these things in yeshua's name amen, amen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so he's an Agagite, or Agagite, A-G-A-G-I-T-E.